Swivel. Founders have all kinds of origins. Some grow up with examples of entrepreneurship to emulate in their immediate families, while others know living cautionary tales, helping them identify exactly what not to do. But there's no one-size-fits-all formula to achieving your goals as an entrepreneur. In fact, it's often only when we look at where we've come from that we can see the connections between our current selves and the things that helped us form our idea of what success looks like. From Swivel Media, I'm Scotty Allen. I've been a startup product manager, an educator, and now I coach founders in developing a product mindset. And this is Starting Line, the new Founders Podcast, where we talk to established and emerging founders, and we start from the beginning. My guest for this episode has co-founded a company that makes what is definitely the tastiest product we've covered on Starting Line to date. My name is Tanya Stacey from East Forge. I'm the co-founder. Um, my other founder is Kim Cooper, and we make a craft iced tea. For Tanya, a single image formed her idea of success at quite a young age. When I was a little girl, I never really knew what I was going to do, but I, I could always see myself as a woman with my own briefcase and a suit. And that was right from the age of 10. And I have no idea why I ever thought that because my dad was a truck driver and there was no professionals in the family, but I always had this image of me with a suitcase and a, a designer suit, of course. I have no idea where that even come from. I spent my teenage years growing up in a small country town in far north Queensland. My father was a truck driver and we worked loading banana cartons on the semis. I discovered boys and that became a very strong interest for me. <laughs> so from business suits to discovering boys. Discovering boys led to marriage and family straight after school. And so Tanya's first job became raising little humans and then starting her university study in her, well, you know, all the spare time that you have when you have kids. I was like 26 and I was a mature age student. That was fine. I already felt old because I had two children. But the mature age students are the ones that are really dedicated because they know that this is a real opportunity, so they'll work very hard at it. Through that, I went through a divorce at the same time. But it was interesting. <laughs> That's the polite way of putting it. It was really tough. Many sleepless nights to get my assignments done and working to help support the family. But I set an example to the kids that, see, you can't get away without doing your homework because mum's doing homework as well. I just kept a mantra. I always have a mantra of, of some type going on in my head and that one was, there is a light at the end of this tunnel. There is a light at the end of this tunnel and as soon as something really bad happens, I just look in the mirror and go, this is character building stuff. This is character building stuff. You just have to flip everything around, don't you? You can have a cry to start with, but then you've got to flip it. When I was in primary school, my mum did her master's degree while working full time and she had to write her entire thesis on a manual typewriter before correction tape was a thing. There were tears. At the time, 
I thought she was just slightly unhinged, but now I realize she was a superhero. To make it even more challenging, Tanya was doing it as a solo parent. So it was tough, but the positives that come out of that was time management. Some people say they have great time management, and they really don't. Truly understanding how long something takes for you to do and allocating the time correctly and also knowing when to put your hand up saying, I need help here. They're really important skills, especially managing as a co-founder, like those are the skills to know I can communicate to her exactly when I'll have it done. It's all about understanding time. I feel really bad when I'm running late because I value your time and I value my time. So that was, for me, what came out of that particular time period in my life. Tanya's study led to work in project management and a long career in industrial and commercial lighting in the construction industry, which apparently has given her the ability to identify the lumens of the lighting of any room she walks into. As exciting as that sounds, Tanya always felt that there was more she could be doing, and while she was looking for a way to exit, a chance encounter while overseas provided an interesting opportunity. I was in China because my partner is actually an electrical engineer and he was working over in China. And I was wandering the markets and came across these great teapots. And I went, oh, I must have one of these. And the gentleman behind the counter said, come and drink some green tea with me. And at the time I went, oh, well, I better do the right thing and be super nice. And it was the best green tea I'd ever experienced in my entire life. And I went, why don't we have that here in Australia? So that just sort of took me down the rabbit hole of tea. Now, to tell the next step in Tanya's founder story, I need to sidestep for a moment and explain the relationship that Australians have to tea. With British colonisation came tea culture, arriving on board the first fleet of 1788. A spot of tea is as quintessentially British as their predilection for forcing Indigenous peoples off their traditional land and then claiming they discovered it. Here down under, sovereignty is still unceded and Aussies still love a hot cuppa. I've grown up in a tea-drinking household. My dad taught me how to make my very first pot of tea because when he did his carpentry apprenticeship in the olden days and they boiled a billy in a 44-gallon drum for morning tea instead of going down to the local coffee shop for the takeaway coffees, he was the billy boy. You couldn't see that on a building site now, could you? So he taught me about the leaf-to-water ratio, warm the pot and everything. So tea has been always in my life. But in China, I'd never tasted green tea like that before. And it started my curiosity to try more tea and why wasn't that available? Why don't people know about this beautiful green tea out there that's not astringent, it's not bitter, it's beautiful, it's light and delicious. So that started my journey. If you're going to sell something, you've got to know about it. So my first um, trip was to Taiwan to go on a study tour there to learn about tea. And I thought, great, I'll do Taiwan, then I'll do India, and I'll do China, and I'll do Japan. I just never left Taiwan. Absolutely brilliant, people. It's so warm and friendly when you go there. 
One thing I am constantly talking to my coaching clients about is niching. Narrowing your focus to find your true target audience, or minimum viable market, as Seth Godin calls it. Tanya had certainly niched by focusing on such a specific type of tea, and at first it wasn't clear that what she was developing was a business opportunity. Now, I personally specialize in Taiwanese oolongs, and Taiwan is the leaders in oolong making within the world. We don't see a lot of it here, but they are right up there. Yeah, very unique. For me with tea, because I became very specialised and very much a niche, it was more of a really great hobby. And then I met my co-founder, Kim, and she has a specialised tea business as well. Kim and I met at MICE, Melbourne International Coffee Expo. I giggle about it all the time. Not many people do, but I think that's funny. Tea people were there. Coffee's followed a very similar path as from instant to specialty and the lessons they've taken along the way as well. We just sort of met each other and then we did this little tiny small project together with another tea specialist and that was tea in a whiskey barrel and we did worked with Starwood Whiskey and I got the oolong in from Taiwan and we put it in a barrel and that was fun but through that project working with Kim we would start talking about cold brew tea and we just have these occasional conversations but I also from working with her I found I respected her work ethic and her commitment to having things done on time and the communication lines made me think I could work with this person And I'm not always that great with working with other people. And so we just kept talking about different things once a month. And then all of a sudden we said to each other, you know, are we going to do this or not? Tanya and Kim's cautious professional courtship is a great example of finding and vetting potential collaborators in your specialist community. Trialing a co-founder connection with a small project is a perfect way to find out how compatible your work styles are, because sharing the same passion and enjoying someone socially is not the same as sharing responsibilities and aligning with their values. And, and the other push was, well, there's never an original idea out there. Somebody else is thinking what we're thinking. Are we going to miss our opportunity? And so we just started dedicating. Now we're going to start putting money into this. Now we're going to start doing stuff. And so being accountable to each other was handy to get things moving forward. I'd like to think that I've reached a stage in my life that I've developed some sort of form of self-awareness and know my limitations and know when I need help. The first steps that we decided was coming up with our flavours complete the wrong way around. Basically, come up with our flavours, come up with our processes, and then we took it to the major tea festivals in Australia at the time. We took stands in all of those just to see are these flavours working for them as well. That was super important, but not just the flavours. It was about the whole experience with the nitro, that creamy foam head and everything. Tanya and Kim had developed a business partnership to keep them accountable and created a product that they were proud of. Next came the terrifying yet crucial step of testing the market and asking the tea festival attendees what they thought of their offering. Leaning into criticism, commentary, and feedback of any kind, as early in development as possible, 
helps curb the impulse to defend something you've already sunk lots of time, energy, and money into. Tanya and Kim were wise enough to know that while they might have the most sophisticated tea palette, when testing new products, it's the consumer's taste that matters most. I also won a tea brewing competition here in Australia, and then I'd gone to represent Australia over in China. I came fourth out of 23 people. Part of that competition was creating a signature drink. So that also led us on that path of what more you can do with tea. We knew we wanted to use nitrogen. A lot of the brewers aren't set up to do nitrogen, even though nitrogen beer is out there. And the very famous one is Guinness, of course. And we just stumbled across a canning company and then they put us onto a brewer. Little independent craft guy there in Sydney, in the Shire at Karimba, where all the others would say to us, no. And he said, yeah, why not? So at that stage, Kim and I decided we had to test the market. We went to the three major tea festivals in Australia. There's one in Melbourne, one in Sydney, and one in Brisbane. And that was the year before COVID hit. And the one in Sydney in particular has, at any one time, 10,000 people come through that festival in one day. So we had our little kegerator. It's like a little mini fridge with the taps on the top. We just poured so many teas and we just sampled it to as many people as we could to get them interested. By taking their East Forge Nitro Tea prototype to the tea festivals, Tanya and Kim were not only gathering incredible market research, they were creating powerful associations with their community of fellow tea lovers and their brand. With the encouragement of these successes, East Forge officially launched in early 2020, right before a then little-known virus changed everything. So we started with a small Kickstarter campaign, a little bit of crowdfunding towards our first lot of sales. And that was mainly to promote the brand, build brand awareness to the wider industry because we couldn't get to every one at the tea festival. And we launched in February 2020. Kim actually lives in Queensland. I'm here in Victoria. And we started this business saying, hey, and this was pre-COVID, We said, well, in this day and age, surely you can manage a business long distance, like a relationship long distance. So it was a good attitude to start with, considering what was coming. Our career went back and forward, just sending teas to each other, the teas that she was thinking about, the teas I was thinking about, different flavour profiles. So we actually came up with our three flavours Pretty quickly, we have a backlog of recipes in mind as well, but we just have to slow ourselves down at the moment. We've got the the black tea and yuzu, the white tea and calamansi, and calamansi is from the kumquat family. And then we've got the green tea and pataya, which is the red dragon fruit. I think we were in denial a little bit for the first couple of months. And I just kept saying to Kim, don't worry, this will pass quick enough, don't worry. Don't worry, it'll be all over and done with by the time summer comes around. And and Kim being in Queensland has helped us because they haven't shut down nearly as badly as Victoria. So we were able to gain a little bit of traction there. It was probably around May, June, we started getting a little bit, we have to start thinking about this. People were still chatting to us. I think everyone thought the first lockdown would pass once we flatten the curve. So they'd say, oh, just give us a couple of weeks, we'll talk to you. 
But Queensland wasn't a problem so much, so we've been able to expand in Queensland a lot quicker. Victoria was very good for our online sales at the time, (laughs) surprisingly. Navigating the pandemic from two different states, one in deep lockdown, led Tanya and Kim, like many of us, to focus on online markets and learn by trial and error what can and cannot be done in-house. We had a very interesting website at the time. We launched it, had Bouncing Can, but part of the process was learning don't mess with Shopify, don't try and customise Shopify. Sort of wish the the Shopify expert had mentioned that to us because we had a very slow site, but recently we've reviewed our Shopify and I actually redesigned it up for us. So it's a lot better. We trusted a few people with our Google ads and Facebook ads. And we spent a lot of money that did not get us traction, which is a real shame. But now we've brought it all in-house and I'm taking care of that. And we're getting a lot better traction with our SEO and targeting the right people. Also doing customer interviews, going to where our customers hang out and working out exactly what they'd be Googling to find us. But we get a lot of direct traffic and that's what we're really particularly pleased with and we put that down to a lot of word of mouth through the industry from the tea festivals. We feel like this brand has been made for people that really love their tea. Knowing yourself helps any founder build the team needed to support them. Knowing your customers gives that team all the information necessary to create an in-demand product. Tanya's targeted research has given her key insights into how to do just that. What I did is I targeted our repeat customers, one, to find out why they're repeating. Also, I went and targeted the meetup groups because not all tea people and our customers hang out on Facebook or Instagram. So we went to the tea meetup groups and we just put it out to them to see if they were interested. All my interviews online were recorded with their permission, of course. So I have a database, a secure site for myself, and then I just analysed the questions and the triggers and the little keywords that they said. So I have a degree in marketing and in particular qualitative research. It is so important to be obsessed over your customers to find out what they want, why they came to you and how they came to you. And we sent out samples to them to try. And I asked them to do a quick survey as soon as they had finished trying the drink. And then I did one-on-one interviews with them. And I just basically asked them more about like how they socialise, what type of tea drinkers are they, what, if they were repeat customers, what were they searching for at the time? what motivated them to try us. And what came back was the interesting flavours, which was great. So Tanya, where are things with East Forge now and what does the future hold? It's still just the two of us at the moment. Our plans are always to stay like this. We've been asked if we would build our own brewery, but that's not part of what we plan to do. We plan to focus on what we do best and that's beverage makers and flavour makers. I think a really great company that's done a very similar thing is Fever Tree. They've never gone down the track of their own production facilities. They just focus on what they do best. Kim and I, it's all about relationships for us. With our tea as well, we 
sourced directly from our own tea farmers. We don't use a wholesaler here in Australia. So we know our tea farmers, we've travelled to our tea farmers and that's part of our story as well. And it's about really putting their skills on show as well through the beverage. We actually want to become really big global beverage company and we've just got so many recipes. We can't wait to just keep growing so we can put in more seasonal stuff. You have no idea the recipes that sit in our heads because we come across these amazing teas like there's a purple tea out of Kenya that's full of antioxidants and you just go, oh, we can come up with a great beverage for this as well. So there's lots of things. And lastly, what would you say to anyone considering becoming a founder? I would say don't hold the idea in at all. Don't be scared to talk about your idea because, honestly, I I haven't come across anyone that's going to try and steal your early ideas anyway. You can tell people and a lot of people won't do anything with it. But just really get involved in places like Startup Vic. Startup Vic was just incredible. And get involved in other programs where all the founders are getting together talking to each other and look at the accelerator programs too if you're a female founder um, SBE is really great find yourself a mentor we found a particularly good one Jody M. Eman I think that's how you say her last name um, with Tractor Ventures we met her over at SBE and she's with Tractor Ventures now and she's just always happy to just chat to us And it's surprising how many people will just take your call and just listen to you. So don't hold back. Just get heavily involved in the founder startup community immediately because there's such a great resource and you won't waste money on people promising to raise your Instagram followers by 10,000 overnight. Kim and I were just talking about this just a couple of weeks ago. In hindsight, isn't hindsight wonderful? In hindsight... We would be far more strategic around looking at the grants that are available and not bootstrap so much ourselves and actually put a a plan in place to hit certain milestones. And that was probably something we, well, that is something we didn't do very well, place those milestones and try and target those grants to help you get along the way because it's going to make you better as a company and more attractive for investors as well. My huge thanks to Tanya Stacey for having this discussion with me. To find out more about East Forged, visit eastforged.com. Starting Line is a production of Swivel Media. It's produced by Haley Mae Bracken and me, Scotty Allen. The Swivel producer team includes Amanda Reedy, Phoebe Zukowski-Wallace, and Lauren Fitzgerald. This episode was mixed and edited by Rob Clark. Original music by Ash Janif. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It helps other people to find our show. To find out more about Swivel, our services, and other shows, visit swivelmedia.com, that's swivel with an O, or find us on social media. Swivel. Mm-hmm.